You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Useless information. Hi, I'm Steve Silverman, and you're listening to a classic episode of the Useless Information Podcast. This recording was released on February 2nd of 2008, and the title of the story, the U.S. Camel Corps, well, I guess it kind of speaks for itself. It's simply a fun and totally true story from the 1850s. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the Useless Information Podcast, my collection of fascinating true stories from the flip side history. My name is Steve Silverman, and today's story is on the United States Camel Corps, a really fascinating story. But before we get to that story, let's start with a question of the day. My question for you today is one that you really need to think about. Let's suppose I ask you to find the place on Earth that is farthest from the center of the Earth. You know, the place you would stand to be closest to the moon when it passed overhead. Where would you go? Now, the obvious answer is Mount Everest, but I will tell you that's wrong. So again, let's suppose I ask you to find the place on Earth that's farthest from the center of the Earth, the place that you would stand to be closest to the moon when it passed overhead. Where would you go? This is going to require some thoughts. I'll let you think about it for a while, and I'll tell you the answer at the end of this podcast. And now for today's story on the U.S. Camel Corps. It's hard to imagine the Old West without those images of the classic cowboy riding his horse off into the sunset. Yet if things had gone differently, those Old Western movies would have had John Wayne riding into the town on his camel. Yes, you heard me, the camel. When the Lone Ranger was blurting out, Hi-o, silver, away, he'd have been referring to his two-humped friend. So today's story is about the U.S. Camel Corps and how it came to be and what happened to all those camels. This story goes back to the early 1800s when the United States started expanding into the southwestern portion of the country. Now, if you haven't been there, it's really, really, really dry, and it's not a place for man or horse for long periods of time. So in 1836, a major George Crossman, a guy who you'll never hear about again, suggested that the government invest in some camels, right? Camels, desert, makes sense. But the idea went nowhere. But finally, on May 3rd, 1855, Congress put up about $30,000 to import camels. Uh, and if you're curious, that's about $650,000 in 2008, when this is being recorded, 2008 currency. Now the real problem begins. Where do you get camels? There are no camels in the United States. So the U.S. sent two people, another major named Henry Wayne and a lieutenant named David Porter, overseas to the Mediterranean to purchase some camels. Well, they got there, and they knew nothing about camels. They really had no knowledge at all. So what do you do? You hire some people who live around there who must obviously know about some camels. In fact, they hired six Arabs and one Turk to come back with them to the United States and take care of the camels while they were on the ship. But being born there doesn't necessarily make you an expert on camels. Just as an example, the Turkish man was actually the veterinarian for these camels while they made their trip across the Atlantic Ocean. 
and his solution for anything that ailed the camels was very simple. You tickle their noses with a chameleon tail. Clearly he had no knowledge of medicine at all. The ship left with 33 camels on board, but by the time it arrived in Texas on May 14, 1856, after a three-month voyage, there was actually one more. In reality, one had died and two were born, but they were ahead of the game. Once the camels were fattened up, they were placed under the command of a guy named Edward Beale at Camp Verde, which is near San Antonio in Texas. And his job was to survey a new route from New Mexico to California, which eventually became the western portion of the famous Route 66. And he did so. In fact, the camel test was an incredible success. And as a result, they recommend to Congress that they buy 1,000 more camels. Great idea. Might as well get some more. But unfortunately, the country was on the verge of a civil war, and the plan was dropped. Eventually, the camels fell into the hands of the Confederate Army, and they had no use for these camels. They treated them very poorly, and if you kick a camel, they will kick you back. Eventually, they got the reputation of being very dirty, rude animals, and they were set free. That was the end of the Camel Corps. So you're probably wondering why, at the end of the war, they didn't start the Camel Corps up again. Why didn't Congress buy more camels? Well, it's actually quite simple. There was a new invention called the railroad, and as the railroad expanded west, there was no need for animals that depended on food and water. You could carry everything you wanted right on the train. Now, without any use for the camels, the United States government tried to sell them off, and those that they couldn't sell, they let go free in the desert. And unfortunately, and very sadly, uh, ranchers shot them, and within a few years, all the camels were gone. As one little added bit, there was a guy named Haji Ali, or better known to Americans as Hai Jolly. He was one of the Arabs that was originally brought over with the camels, and for years he tried to convince others how useful these camels actually were, but he was unsuccessful. Today there's a monument for him in Arizona dedicated to both him and the U.S. Camel Corps. Useless, useful, I'll leave that for you to decide. And now the answer to today's question of the day, which was, let's suppose I ask you to find the place on Earth that is farthest from the center of the Earth. You know, the place that you would stand to be closest to the moon when it passed overhead. And I asked, where would you go to do this? And I hinted that the answer was not the obvious one. It's not Mount Everest, which everyone knows is the highest peak on Earth. But it turns out it's not the farthest from the center of the Earth. And the reason for this is that the Earth bulges at the equator. It's squished down at the poles and bulges at the equator. It's what scientists and mathematicians refer to as an oblate spheroid. It turns out that the answer is a place called Mount Chimborazo, which is a volcano. It's the highest peak in Ecuador. And it turns out it's just one degree below the equator. Now, until the beginning of the 19th century, it was thought that Mount Chimborazo actually was the highest peak in the world. Of course, we know today that's not true. In fact, it's about 8,330 feet shorter, or if you want to put it in the metric system, 2,540 meters shorter than Mount Everest is. So it's not the tallest peak measured from sea level. But if you change your frame of reference and measure how far you are from the center of the Earth, it turns out that it sticks, Mount Chimborazo actually sticks 1.3 miles, approximately 2.1 kilometers, farther out into space than Mount Everest does. It's kind of an interesting calculation. Now, just a little bit more trivia based on this idea of measuring from the center of the Earth. If you actually went to the lowest point on Earth, that's a dead sea, and compared it with the highest peak in the United States, which, of course, is Mount McKinley uh, in Alaska, you would find out that the Dead Sea actually sticks about three miles higher out into space than Mount McKinley does. 
you're actually closer to the moon when it passes overhead than if you were standing on the top of Mount McKinley. If you wanted to compare it to something in the United States, you can go to the lowest point in the United States, which is Death Valley. Go into Death Valley, and you will find out that you're still sticking two miles farther out into space, or you're two miles farther from the center of the Earth, than you would be if you were standing on Mount McKinley. Very interesting. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's story on the U.S. Camel Corps. Uh, this story actually appears in greater detail in my book, Lindbergh's Artificial Heart, More Fascinating True Stories from Einstein's Refrigerator. And you'll also find a detailed bibliography there. Um, I've also written the book, Einstein's Refrigerator. That's the original book. And uh, both are available from bookstores, uh, online retailers, and, of course, at your local library. And if you'd like to contact me for any reason, simply drop me an email at useless at steve.silverman.name. That's useless at steve.silverman.name. And I failed to mention the previous podcast, so you can also check out my website for a bunch of other stories. And that website address is www.uselessinformation.org. I couldn't get the .com, so it's .org. Uselessinformation.org. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you tune in the next time. Bye.